going to discuss a character trait or a virtue I think is very important for a Christian to have in this day and age, especially the current time and the current trials, the current issues, the current uh, circumstances Christians are having to deal with and having to live through and having to react to in our current time. That's going to be the character trait or the virtue or the grace of temperance or the grace of self-control. This is something we all need to have in our life. And we especially need to have this character trait in our life right now in the current circumstances we are all going through. In our text, we find that Peter is encouraging us with the idea that God has given us a road map of sorts to help direct us onto the right paths of life. He is telling us what character traits we need in our life to live a right and honoring life unto the Lord. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Two great truths stand at the forefront of all we have been given to finish our life well for God. The first is mentioned in verse 3, the knowledge of him. We have the knowledge of God. If we are saved, if we are Christians, we have the knowledge of God. And the second great truth is found in verse 4, exceeding great and precious promises. Not only do we have the knowledge of God, if we are a Christian, we also have exceeding great and precious promises been given to us as a result of us being Christians. These are the foundational gifts all Christians have in their possession. The knowledge of God and the exceeding great and precious promises of God. If we want to grow in the knowledge of God, we need to fully grasp and hold on to these two great truths and use them as our foundation for a growing and vibrant walk with the Lord. And as we grow in these graces, grow in these virtues that Peter gives us here in the following part of 2 Peter chapter 1, we will grow in our relationship with the Lord. The supreme issue of life is our relationship with God. Do we have one? How is it? Are we growing in that relationship? Are we using that knowledge of him and that relationship with him to minister to others and to give out the gospel? The status of our relationship with the Lord is the supreme issue of life. Someone has described 2 Peter 1, 5-9 as the golden chain of the Christian life. The way forward down the, this chain, the way forward down the links of this golden chain is the way of faith. Peter reminds us in verses 5-9 to that continuing in faith or growing in faith is what provides us with everything we need in life is what can give us a sense of underlying joy even in the worst of circumstances, even when we're faced with issues that we shouldn't have to be faced with, even when we're faced with issues that just kind of grind at us the wrong way, just kind of get under our skin. Even when we're faced with just different issues, we will have that underlying sense of joy. Growing in our faith brings peace in our life. Second Peter 1, 5-9 And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. 
For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Verses 5-7 to are commonly referred to as a list of virtues or a list of graces that we need to work hard at adding to our faith. Each virtue or each grace stands independently of each other and has its own identity, but each characteristic is also connected to the next one that follows on the list. The repetition of each virtue in the list indicates to us that Peter intends for us to view them as inseparably linked to each other. A commentary is reading said this about verses 5 to 8. To put an image on it, we could liken verses 5 to 8 to a golden chain or to stairs that lead one to the stars. Each stair or characteristic is built upon the strength of the previous one, and each subsequent one rises to a higher plane. We need each one. Each one needs the other, and they are all interdependent upon each other. Living a life that seeks to incorporate every link of the golden chain into it requires work. It requires diligence. It requires spiritual diligence. It requires making these graces a priority in our life. We need each grace to live out the other graces. And the grace we're focusing on right now is the grace of temperance, or the grace of self-control, or the virtue of temperance, the virtue of self-control. And I had these illustrations, I had these truths, these virtue, this virtue of temperance, this, this virtue of self-control kind of illustrated in real life, in my own life, over this past weekend. We were out visiting, we went to a, a different city, we were just out shopping, going to different places, any mall. I've been wearing a mask for a couple hours. And you know, you're supposed to wear a mask indoor where we're at, so I've been wearing a mask for the last couple hours. I was just getting hot. I was getting just lightheaded, a headache. I just felt I felt like out of breath, like I just needed just some unobstructed breathing just to kind of regroup myself. Just I just felt like I just needed some air. So we're in the back of a store. No one is around us, just our family. I pull the mask down just so I can get some breath, just so I can take a deep breath. Thinking maybe that's what's causing my headache, or maybe that's what's causing my lightheadedness. I just need some oxygen. I just need to get a good deep breath. Well, I hadn't had that mask down for mo no more than 20 seconds, and a store manager rushes over to me and says, Sir, you must have the mask on. You cannot be in the store without a mask on. And it wasn't said in the most polite tone. It wasn't said very nice. It wasn't said very politely. It was just very matter-of-factly, you get that mask on, you get out of here. And I'm glad I had been studying the character trait of temperance leading up to this. I'm glad I've been looking in, into that character trait that virtue of self-control leading up to that point because I needed it at that point. And what, what, she wasn't very nice. She was kind of rude, kind of just abrupt. And I literally only had my mask down about 20 seconds. So you can know the flesh. It was in there. I was wanting to have a different reaction than I had. But the Holy Spirit brought temperance to my mind, brought self-control to my mind, brought what I had been studying all week to my mind. And I exercise self-control. I exercise temperance. I exercise respect. I put my mask back on, politely responded, and then I just walked out of the store and got a deep breath, got some oxygen. Well, now we're moving on to illustration number two over the weekend. We went to another store. We wanted to purchase something. It was $3. 
we had a $5 bill. We went to purchase this item that cost $3 with a $5 bill. And this store no longer takes cash. Now this is right on top of the previous put your mask on. And my self-control I had to exercise in that. Temperance I had to exercise in that. Then in this instance I had to exercise temperance, self-control. Yet again, and the Holy Spirit just brought it back to my mind, the forefront of my mind immediately when this happened. I was being tested. You need to respond with self-control. You need to respond with temperance. You need to respond in a God-like manner, in an edifying manner. And so we just used our card and purchased what we needed to purchase. So we're studying, we're looking at the attribute, the virtue, or the grace of temperance in the Christian's life. 2 Peter 1, 6, add and add to knowledge temperance. So what is temperance? I know I've mentioned self-control a lot. So what is temperance exactly? Well, temperance has been described as moderation in thought, moderation word or action. Those who practice temperance are self-controlled and show restraint in their passions and their behaviors. Now, as I was studying temperance and getting ready for this, and getting ready for uh, giving a, a thought on temperance, I was looking back in just different resources. In my more modern resources, when, when getting comments about Second Peter 1, 6, or just comments about the biblical word temperance, my more modern ones from the last 5, 10, 20 years, the comments on that were very brief. One line, one sentence, maybe two or three sentences. I couldn't find much on it. So then I started accessing much older resources, resources that or, or comments that dated from maybe two or three hundred years prior. They weren't two or three hundred years old to me, but they were just comments from pastors or preachers or commentators from two to three hundred years ago. And they had much more thought, much more comments, sometimes pages upon pages on just this one word temperance or just on Second Peter 1, 6, talking about temperance. I thought, what does that say about us right now? Two or three hundred years ago, even a hundred years ago, fifty to a hundred years ago, they thought much more, our culture, our, our Christianity in general, thought much more about temperance, but much more emphasis on temperance, about having temperance in our life. It was very important to have temperance in the Christian's life. A hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago. Today, it doesn't seem the emphasis is put on it as much as it was in the past. So the best definition or the best comment, the best explanation I found on temperance was from John Wesley. He described it this way, Christian temperance implies the voluntary abstaining from all pleasure which does not lead to God. It extends to all things inward and outward, the due government of every thought as well as affection. It is using the world so to use all outward and so to restrain all inward things that they may become a means of what is spiritual, a scaling ladder to ascend to what is above. Intemperance is to abuse the world. He that uses anything below, looking no higher and getting no farther, is intemperate. He that uses the creature only as to attain to more of the Creator is alone temperate and walks as Christ himself walked. I thought that was an incredible thought, incredible explanation on temperance, on self-control. When our text we're studying, 2 Peter 1.6, to knowledge, Peter adds the term temperance, or the term self-control. Peter is saying to us, as we follow Christ and seek to grow in that relationship 
that we need to exercise temperance. We need to exercise self-control. We need to learn to say no to ungodly wants. Learn to say no to ungodly thoughts. Learn to say no to ungodly reactions when we're kind of rubbed the wrong way like I was at the at these shopping places the other day. It is impossible to live godly lives and please the Lord without self-control because we are told that our flesh wants only to please itself. Romans seven twenty one to 25, Paul says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law of my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then Romans thirteen fourteen warns us to make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We are to, along with temperance, to exercise caution, exercise wisdom. When we desire to please the Lord, we will stay far away from anything that has the appearance of evil. Now, the opposite of self-control is self-indulgence. When we develop lazy attitudes in some areas of our life, that laziness tends to spread to other areas of our life as well. But by contrast, when we keep ourselves under control physically, mentally, spiritually, we are prepared for greater effectiveness in our mission to represent Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We need to be exercising temperance, exercising self-control in all areas of life, for we are to be pointing others to Christ. We are to be edifying others, pointing others, Sharing the gospel, pointing them to Christ. And what if we had that flesh? What if I had that fleshly reaction to being told to put on that mask, even though I'd just taken it off just, and I needed that breath? What if I had that fleshly reaction to that? What if I had a fleshly re- reaction to, to not being able to use cash to purchase something instead of an edifying reaction? What if I turned them off? What if they knew as a Christian I turned them off to the Lord by not exercising self control, not exercising temperance? We need temperance. We need self-control. It's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about others' eternity in heaven. Temperance is more than moderation. The 1828 Webster's Dictionary defines temperance as follows. Moderation, particularly habitual moderation, in regard to the indulgence of the natural appetites and passions. Restrained or moderate indulgence adds temperance in eating, drinking, temperance in the indulgence of joy, or mirth, temperance in eating and drinking as opposed to gluttony and drunkenness. And also, patience, calmness, sedatedness, moderation of passion. He calmed his wrath with godly temperance. Now, temperance is more than moderation. Because the world will tell us, as long as you do things in moderation, it's okay. Well, God's word tells us that there are certain things we are not to do at all, that we are to abstain from certain things, and there are certain things we are to abound in. So temperance, biblical temperance, is more than just moderation. See, that temperance is commonly thought simply as moderation, but the Bible concept is much deeper than just simple moderation. Temperance is the power of God to do what you know you should do. We live in very interesting times. Interesting times in what's been going on the last few months, and interesting times in general. We have many more conveniences and comforts than any generation in the history of the world. You have people who are more unhappy and unfulfilled than in any generation in the history of the world. 
Many have come to expect instant gratification in every area of life. The problem with that is that the joy or the happiness someone gets from instant gratification is usually followed by lingering guilt and hardship. It's not joy. It's not true biblical joy. A life lived with little or no temperance in character is a life that is filled with guilt and regret. That is why Peter urges us to develop this character trait into our life, to give all diligence, all hard work, all dedication to add temperance or add self-control to our character. We must learn to exercise self-control. We must learn to say no to many things in order to have the time and the ability to say yes to the things that really matter. Temperance is the ability to moderate or to control appetites, emotions, attitudes. It's the capacity to resist sin. Furthermore, it is the ability to turn down opportunities of excess good things when they could contaminate us and lead to bad things in our life. 1 Corinthians 9.25-27 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. If I'm not exercising temperance or exercising self-control, yet I'm proclaiming to the world I'm a Christian, I'm making myself a castaway. I'm giving a bad testimony. I'm being a hypocrite. We need to bring our bodies under subjection so we can be used of the Holy Spirit to have, have that good testimony. Now, a fruit of the Holy Spirit is temperance. Temperance or self-control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that he brings into our life as he indwells us, Galatians 5, to 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. Temperance or self-control is the inner force that controls our passions, controls our desires, controls our reactions. We must walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the flesh according to our wishes, our thoughts, what will rise in the face of temptation or difficulty or aggression will be our fallen nature, our self, our flesh will rise. And it generally offers little resistance. However, temperance or self-control gives us control for decisions. We must then exercise self-control with the help of the Holy Spirit. It will give us control for those reactions. Now the priority of temperance. Temperance needs to be a priority in our life. Temperance can change our life from a life of impulse decisions to a life of purposeful deliberation. Temperance can change our life from a life of impulse decisions to a life of purposeful deliberation. Now I'm going to list a few reasons why we need to make temperance priority in our life. Temperance is necessary for Christian leadership. See that in Titus 1, 7-8. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. A Christian leader must be temperate. You must lead yourself before you can lead others. Temperance is necessary for Christian growth. Sin will hinder your spiritual walk. Temperance gives you the power to say no to sin so you can say yes to God. And temperance is necessary for following Jesus. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny ourselves. Self-control. 
exercise temperance, exercise self-control. Our flesh can lead us far away from the Savior's teaching. An example, we must deny our sinful appetites and follow Christ. Now, the people of temperance. The word temperance only occurs in the New Testament, but the concept is consistent throughout the entire Bible. Many great people of the Bible exercise temperance in their life, in their appetites, in their emotions, in their attitudes. We're going to look just at a few of them. Job. Job would not let his eyes wander into lust. Job 31.1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Lust begin with the eyes. Achan in Joshua chapter 7 saw, then coveted, then he took. Sin will follow the same pattern in our life, controlling our eyes. Exercising temperance with our eyes can save ourselves a lot of hurt. Esther, she controlled her desire for self-preservation and risked her life to save others. Esther 4.16, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Self-preservation is a God-given protection, but selfishness is sinful. Selflessness, on the other hand, expressed through the exercise of temperance, through the guiding of the Holy Spirit in our life, is a God-like attribute. Esther exercised that temperance. She exercised that self-control over the instinct of self-preservation to do what God would have her to do in her life. Saul. Saul did not punish those that opposed his coronation. He did not punish them. He did not react wrongly to them. 1 Samuel 10, 27. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. He exercised temperance. He exercised self-control in his reactions to them. It is human nature to want to get an even. It's human nature to want to fight against our enemies. It's human nature to want to say, I have a right not to wear that mask, or I have a right to purchase things with cash. It's human nature to want to have that fleshly reaction. But we need to exercise biblical temperance, biblical self-control, and not let that sinful nature control us. So then David did not kill King Saul when he had the opportunity. First Samuel 24, 6. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Temperance will keep us from doing things we cannot undo and that we would forever regret. Temperance will keep us from doing things we cannot undo and that we would forever regret. We need to make a purposeful decision for temperance. Temperance begins with a decision. Daniel 1.8 But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We must decide to live a holy life. We must purpose to be like Jesus in our appetites, in our emotions, in our reactions, and in our attitudes. We need to decide now what is acceptable and unacceptable and think through temptations that may come our way and decide ahead of time how we will react to those temptations. Decide ahead of time that we will react with temperance and self-control. The Bible contains everything we need to know pertaining to life and godliness, pertaining to temperance, pertaining to self-control. God's word is our guide 
to godliness. We need to submit to the teachings of the Bible in every area of our life. If God says it, then we simply need to do it. We may need to stop doing some things that we have been doing, and we may need to start doing some things that we have not been doing. Now let's look at the productive attitude of temperance. Temperance brings a productive attitude in our life. Temperance will affect our attitudes. Temperance developed in our life will be evident in our attitudes about any number of things. Attitude is our disposition towards life, how we see life. Our perspective informs our behavior. How do we interact with others? Are we positive or negative? Are we hopeful or cynical? We always just have that bad thought, that bad comment like, this is never going to work. Are we patient or angry? Are we proud or humble? Encouraging or discouraging? Joyful or bitter? Happy for another success or envious? Cheerful or depressed? Encouraging or complaining? Attitude is our approach to life. It is our mindset and mood dictated by our beliefs. Our attitude determines our altitude, someone once said. We cannot control our circumstances, but we can control our spirit. We can control our attitude. We can control our reactions. We can exercise temperance in this area of attitudes in our life. Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wrong attitudes go before destruction. Wrong attitudes go before falls. Proverbs 16:19. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 16:32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, he that exercises self-control in his life, he that ruleth his spirit, and he that taketh a city. Proverbs 25, 28, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that does not have any temperance, does not have any self-control, is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Proverbs 13, 13-14, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Possessing temperance is needed in many areas of our life. Possessing temperance is needed in the way we think. We see that in Psalm 139, 23-24. In the way we eat, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. In the way we talk, James chapter 3. In the way we manage money, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. The way we use our time, Colossians 4, 5. In exercising self-discipline, Proverbs 25, 28. To overcome slowness and laziness, Colossians 3, 23 and 2 Thessalonians 3, 10. In diligently serving God, John 15, 10 to 11. In being fruit bearers for Christ, John 15, 16. Exercising self-discipline, exercising self-control, exercising temperance is incredibly needed so we can be fruit bearers for Christ. If I'd reacted the wrong way, if I'd reacted in, in the way I thought, well, I have the right to take a breath, I have the right to pay with something in the cash, and I had made a scene about that and reacted that way, if they knew I was a Christian, I would have ruined that chance. I would have ruined the testimony of being a Christian. They might have permanently wrote it off in their life. Exercising self-control, exercising temperance helps us to be fruit bearers for Christ. So why is possessing self-control, why is possessing temperance so needed, so important? We've gone over many reasons already, but why is it so needed? Why is it so important? Because we display our God and his gospel 
when we exercise temperance. Self-control is one of the fruit, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We mentioned that's from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. So exercising self-control, exercising temperance means we are literally reflecting the Spirit of God with our life. Throughout the Bible, there are lists of attributes describing godly men and women, and most of them include the faith-filled trait of temperance or self-control. When we exercise self-control, we pursue a holy life that is glorifying to the Lord who made us in His image, redeemed us through His gospel, and gave His indwelling Spirit to live within us. Temperance displays our God because our God is self-controlled. It is no more evident than in the gospel. He is patient towards sinners, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All of his words are perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. Psalm 19, 7, 9. God's heart never inclines to any evil. There is no unrighteousness found in him. Psalm 92, 15. God is never anxious about anything. So we can come to him for peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Intemperance helps to protect us from our enemies. It helps to protect our enemy from getting a foothold in our life. Exercising temperance keeps the enemy from gaining that control, that foothold in our life. If we had, if we give in to sin, give in to a, a reaction, have that ungodly reaction, or have that reaction in anger, that re- reaction just in a spirit of just defiance because someone's been aggressive towards us, or someone we feel like someone's denied us a right that we have. We have that wrong reaction to that. We have that angry reaction to that. We're giving the devil a foothold in our life. So exercising temperance helps to protect us from our enemy. Now I'm going to look at some suggestions for possessing temperance or exercising temperance in our life as found in the Bible. The gospel is the motivation we need to overcome anything that is threatened to overcome us. Christ is glorified when we exercise self-control because we seek an imperishable prize that only he can give. Here's a few suggestions for exercising uh, temperance in our life, for possessing temperance in our life. Renew our mind through God's word and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. Pray for the Holy Spirit's help. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, in revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that we know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, when what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, Ephesians 1, 16 to 19. We need to confess our habits to God, confess our bad habits to others. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sins. 1 John 1, 7. And then in order, in order to exercise temperance or have temperance in our life, identify and remove our triggers for self-indulgence. Find those things that make us just have the wrong reaction and try to remove those situations as much as possible from our life. Move those things, those habits, those desires from our life that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4, 22-24 Remember the gospel when we fail. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Remember the gospel. Remember we need to have edifying reactions. We need to exercise that self-control, that temperance, so we can be a good example to the lost world around us. So we can have that opportunity to witness to them and not appear hypocritical to them. So we can have that good testimony. So we can point others to Christ and how we react to adversity. How we react when we think our rights have been wronged. We need to exercise self-control, exercise temperance, so we can be a conduit of the gospel, a conduit of the message of Jesus Christ to a lost world. So a brief conclusion, temperance will change our life. Temperance is a Bible word that every Bible-believing Christian should know. It is the spirit-empowered ability to control appetites, emotions, and attitudes. It is the capacity to resist sin. It is the ability to turn down opportunities for the excess of good things. Temperance will help us say no to the sins, temptations, and distractions of this life so we can reach our full potential and fulfill our purpose for our life. We need to make temperance a priority in our life and reap the blessings of being more like the Master.